Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's a privilege to be with you again this morning uh, to sing God's praises and to fellowship with one another in our common faith, our common Lord, and now to turn our attention to His Word and to see what He has to say to us this morning. But before we do that, let's go to God and let's ask uh, His blessings on our time this morning in His Word and ask for His help uh, as we seek to read it and understand it. Let's go to God and pray. Lord, we are thankful this morning as we gather together as your people, Father, not as a people who have our foundation in our circumstances or in the winds and the waves of life, but Father, a people who stand firm on the solid rock of Christ and the redemption that we have in him. Lord, I pray this morning as we have sung your praises and as we have prayed and as we have Uh, given of the gifts that you have given to us, and as we've witnessed this baptism, Lord, I pray now that you would take all of these things and and focus it down as we turn our attention to your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. Lord, we come to you uh, uh, not only praying for this, but Father, we also lift up to you uh, uh, the many concerns that our our church has. Uh, Father, we lift up uh, Miss Caroline to you as she prepares to have surgery this Thursday. Lord, we pray that there wouldn't be any more delays. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would comfort and encourage her little heart. Uh, and Lord, in preparing uh, her to have this surgery on Thursday, Lord, we pray for great results. Uh, we pray that, uh, Lord, that you would lead and guide those doctors as they perform that procedure. And Lord, we pray for your protection uh, over her this week and for the Carwiles as they, uh, as they take care of all of those matters. And Uh, Lord, we want to lift up to you our Poland teams as we meet this evening, both the teen camp and the the VBS camp team. Lord, we pray that you would uh, bless us as we prepare uh, just a little bit more before we uh, head out to go to Poland. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be faithful stewards of the gospel message that you have given to us. And Lord, we pray for the preparation and, and all the hard work that's gone into making these trips happen. Lord, we pray that there would be much gospel fruit uh, in Gdansk, Poland, and, and far beyond that, Lord, because of our efforts here. Lord, we want to lift up to you Miss Becky Mudd this morning. as She uh, lost her brother uh, this week, Father, as they have the memorial service today. We pray for her and pray for her family that you would give her peace and comfort uh, in this time of loss and sorrow. And Lord, I pray that you would help her to rest in the gospel and the fact that you love her and that you have purchased her with your blood And Father, that you will never leave or forsake her this morning. Lord, we pray as we turn our attention to your word that it would do its work in our hearts. Father, we pray that we would, by the power of your spirit, be obedient to the words that we hear this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. We'll be in Philippians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. For those of you who are... Been with us for some time, you know, Pastor Richard has been preaching through uh, the book of Genesis for about the past year and a half or so now, and uh, we are getting into the story of Joseph, Uh, but when I've had the opportunity to preach, uh, we've been doing it a little bit different. We've been going to the New Testament and looking through uh, this uh, gospel or this book, uh, this letter uh, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church at Philippi, and we're coming to the last uh, sermon in that series Uh, We will be looking at the latter part of Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 10 through 13 this morning. Uh, Really, 10 through 20 are all one section, but we're going to hopefully kind of hone in on these uh, first three verses in this section and unpack what it is the Apostle Paul, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has for us this morning. So if you are physically able, if you would stand in honor 
of the reading of God's holy and inspired and inerrant word this morning. Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. How to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Amen. This is the word of the Lord this morning. You may be seated. <clears throat> when Laura and I were first uh, married, newlyweds, we lived in Jackson, Tennessee. We both were recent graduates of Union University, and uh, we lived on campus there in married, ha- married housing. Uh, and we were a part of a great local church there in Jackson called Cornerstone Community Church. Uh, one of our uh, best friends that we made, best couple friends that we made early on in our marriage was uh, actually a pastor of that church uh, named Chad Davis. Uh, Chad and his wife Debbie were uh, a little bit older than us, uh, but we had become friends in our time at Union, and, and uh, the Lord called him to be one of the pastors of that church, and uh, we just really clicked very well, and uh, we loved the Davises. And uh, when we decided uh, that the Lord was calling us to move to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, to go to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, the Davises were some of the first that uh, helped us along in that decision. And uh, needless to say, for a, a couple that had been married for uh, just a few months, uh, who had very little in uh, terms of possession and possessions and those kinds of things, and uh, we were about to pack up everything that we had and uh, everything that we knew and everyone that we knew and move to a city that we had only visited one time, uh, that we had never met anyone in before, uh, and uh, quite frankly, it was, the, it was the farthest away from home uh, that either one of us had ever lived. So we were a little bit nervous <laughs> about what was going to take place. The Davises, uh, they were very kind to us and, and wrote us a, a handwritten letter of encouragement right before we left. And uh, one of my most vivid memories of that time was sitting down with my wife uh, in our bedroom and unfolding that letter and reading it. And you see, the Davises uh, were parents of two little boys, both of which had some pretty significant special needs. Uh, and in that letter, they recounted all of the different uh, trials and, and hardships and joys that came along with raising those two little boys and uh, all of the surgeries and procedures and medications and everything that, uh, that had gone into that. And Uh, we read that letter and we began to talk with each other and uh, we realized that one day that this could be us, (laughs) that the Lord could bless us with uh, children who who had uh, these particular needs. And so we began to kind of fantasize and talk about what that might be like. And, uh, you know, it was interesting in that conversation that we had that uh, a lot of the the things that we started to talk about were uh, things like how hard it would be and how difficult it would be and and how frustrating it could be, and uh, how we just couldn't imagine having to walk in the shoes of, of uh, our friends, the Davidsons. And, and uh, they, they went on in that letter to explain right, that no matter what station you have in life, no matter what the Lord has for you uh, in regards to your future, He is an all-sufficient, trustworthy Father, and you can put your hope and trust in Him and in Him alone. And that is the secret to Christian contentment. 
That's how you get through those trials. That's how you get through those difficulties by throwing yourselves on the mercy of your all-sufficient Father. And that encouraged us as we got ready to, to move to Louisville to this new place where we knew no one. Uh, and, and that was an encouragement to our hearts. And one of the Scripture passages that he pointed us to in that letter were the very verses that we are looking at this morning. And uh, So I want us to turn our attention to these verses and, and see what it, what it is that Paul uh, is telling us, is teaching us about this idea of Christian contentment. Being content in any and every circumstance. Now contentment is not necessarily a, a, a theme or a topic that we as Christians talk about all that much. For whatever reason, I don't know why, uh, but we tend to talk more about the Gospel and the blood of Jesus and all of these different things. And uh, contentment certainly is one of the outflows uh, of the Gospel, uh, of the, the blood of Christ and the sure foundation that we stand on there. And we'll see that in these verses. But uh, we, we see here in this text, if you remember back to our last sermon, as Paul's wrapping up this letter, uh, much like he does many other letters. He's throwing out these different application points of everything that he talked about from chapter 1. And I think that uh, verses 10 through 20 really are a continuation of the application that Paul has been teaching to the, book, or to the people at Philippi. So last week we looked at uh, how we are to be reasonable people. We looked at how we are to uh, be people who are not anxious about anything, but people who cast our cares upon the Lord. We are to be people who concentrate on personal holiness and we see in these verses too that in order to persevere in our faith, in order to be rock solid and sure in our faith, we are to be a content people. We are to be a content people. Well, what is contentment? That's a good question. <laughs> what is contentment? The uh, good, I think, working definition of contentment that we will uh, kind of assume in our sermon this morning is that contentment is a gentleness and quietness of spirit that joyfully submits to the Lord's plan for you in all circumstances. The gen- contentment is gentleness and quiet of spirit that joyfully submits to the Lord's plan for you in any and every circumstance. Okay? I think a good summary of uh, these verses, so if I'm to see you at lunch, maybe if we go out to a restaurant and I bump into you at a restaurant and I ask you what was the sermon about, I'm fixing to give you what your response should be. Okay? This is the main idea, this is the thesis of the sermon. So if you're taking notes, this is the best thing you can write down because this, there might be a quiz later. You never know. What Paul is teaching us in these verses is this. As believers in an all-sufficient God, Christians are to be content in any and every circumstance in which we find ourselves. As believers in an all-sufficient God, Christians are to be content in any and every circumstance in which we find ourselves. That leads me to point number one. So let's dive right in. Point number one, Christian contentment is founded upon an all-sufficient Father. Christian contentment is founded upon an all-sufficient Father. Look down there in verse 10. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now at length that you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. If you remember back in Philippians chapter 1, we talked about how Paul is rejoicing. He is joyful because of the fellowship that he had with the church at Philippi in the ministry of the gospel. And remember, we talked about how biblical fellowship is a little bit different. It's a little bit more than what we might think of when we think of that word fellowship. You know, we think of fellowship as gathering around the table with fried chicken and all those good things to eat. 
We think that's fellow. We have halls. We have rooms uh, dedicated specifically for fellowshipping in that way, right? The fellowship hall. But in the Bible, fellowship is much more than that. Fellowship is probably actually better translated partnership. It's a partnership. It's a union between uh, believers in Christ for a common goal, for a common purpose, namely to fulfill the Great Commission, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And Paul rejoiced because the church at Philippi were in fellowship with him in that way. They were in partnership with him. They were partners in his ministry. And we read here again in verse 10 that Paul picks that back up and he says that he rejoices in the Lord greatly now and at length because they've renewed their fellowship with Paul. Well, what happened with their fellowship? It seems like in these verses there might have been a falling out right between uh, the church at Philippi and with the Apostle Paul. We know that's not the case. Uh, there, there may have been uh, persecution. Uh, there may have been some type of affliction that kind of interrupted that partnership. Uh, but uh, that seems to have passed. And now the church at Philippi has renewed this partnership that they've had with the Apostle Paul. And he is rejoicing greatly uh, at that renewal of that fellowship and of that partnership. But notice in verse 10 who it is that Paul gives credit to for this fellowship and for this partnership. Is it the church at Philippi? Well, kind of, right? This is kind of a thank you letter, in a sense, because they've sent him this uh, great gift, uh, probably a monetary gift, uh, to continue on in his mission. So partially, he's, he's thanking the Philippians, but notice in verse 10 who he gives credit for their partnership. He rejoices in the Lord greatly. You see, Paul realizes something very significant, that the church at Philippi was a means by which the Lord was blessing the Apostle Paul and his ministry. They were were a means by which a sovereign and all-sufficient Lord were showing favor to the Apostle Paul and the continuing on of his ministry uh, in that region. So Paul is rejoicing in the Lord because the Philippians are supporting his ministry. He's rejoicing in the Lord. That that same joy that he expressed uh, from chapter 1, he's now expressing again, but that joy is not towards his brothers and sisters in Christ alone. It's primarily uh, in Christ. It's in God. Paul teaches us that in order to be truly content with our circumstances, in order to be truly content in this life, we must first trust in an all sufficient God who provides for our every need. Provides for our every need. So brothers and sisters, don't think too highly of yourself. I think a lot of times we run into the danger of thinking that everything that we have and everything that is around us is a result of our own hard work. It's a result of the labors of our hands. But we know as Christians that is not true. Anything and everything that the Lord has given you, not only blessing, not only gain, but also loss, also hardship, and also trial, is given to you by the sovereign and good hand of our all-sufficient Heavenly Father. Both good and bad, it's all given to you by God. And if you are to be content in this life, you must learn to trust in an all-sufficient Father and His sovereign plan for you. Point two, that leads us to point two. Christian contentment is independent of circumstances. Christian contentment is independent of circumstances. 
Look at verse 11 again. It says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I think that's the heart of this passage here. I think that's the heart of, this, uh, of these verses. That in whatever circumstance, or in whatever situation, I am to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, hungry, abundance, and need. As Christians, our contentment is not based on the circumstances around us. It's based uh, in an all-sufficient God. Surely the Apostle Paul is probably one of the best examples to teach us that the Christian life is difficult. Think of all of the things that Paul had to go through in his earthly ministry. He uh, he went through uh, hardship. He went through difficulty. Uh, He lists some of the things in these very verses that he went through. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was left adrift at sea. He was stoned and left for dead. Uh, The Apostle Paul faced some real hardship. He faced some real difficulty and real hardship. And let's don't forget that as he writes these very words, he's chained to a wall in a dungeon in prison. <laughs> right? He, he, he's chained to a wall uh, in a dungeon in prison as he writes these very words. But even there, he says, I've learned the secret of being content. He's learned the secret of being content. And so obviously, it has to be independent of his circumstances. <clears throat> now, I would have loved to have a conversation with the Apostle Paul as he was chained to one of those walls. Or as he was clinging on to a, a board, uh, a piece of the ship that he wrecked, and he was, as he was adrift at sea. I would have loved to have known what was going on in the Apostle Paul's heart and mind during those times. It's an, it's an encouragement to me in these verses <clears throat> Excuse me, that Paul says that I have learned in whatever circumstance to be content. He says it twice. He says, I have learned in whatever situation. Uh, And he says, I know how to abound. And then again in verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret of facing. You see, a lot of times, uh, like the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, we we take these guys and we put them up on pedestals and we think, well, Paul, as soon as he was converted on the Damascus Road, he had it all figured out. And he started writing these letters and he started uh, his earthly ministry, uh, taking the gospel to the, literally to the known ends of the world at that time, to the Gentiles. and, And we think, uh, that these hardships with Paul were just kind of no big deal. He could, he could bear up under those things. But I wonder if Paul was adrift, while Paul was adrift at sea, if he ever had this conversation with God. Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I, I am trying my hardest to fulfill the ministry that you have given me, and I keep meeting difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. Right? I've been stoned, I've been whipped. Uh, you're, you, this, you've left this thorn in my flesh. Uh, all of these different things that the Apostle Paul has bared up through. And I wonder if during those times, if he ever said, Lord, I am trying my hardest to work for you and to be faithful to the commission that you have given me, but you keep getting in my way. Why do you keep letting this happen to me? I guarantee you the Apostle Paul had that conversation. He didn't just learn contentment overnight. He learned it through trial and difficulty. He learned it through being adrift at sea. He learned it through being mocked and persecuted. He learned it through being whipped for his faith and being stoned. Brothers and sisters, it is the the same way with us. We should not let our circumstances, good or bad, dictate the satisfaction of our hearts. 
We should not do that. Why? Because circumstances are like the weather. They change constantly. They change constantly. We see here in this list in verse 12 of all of the different circumstances in which Paul found himself that there are good and bad circumstances. So while Paul's adrift at sea, he's probably uh, crying out to God, God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this to happen to me when I'm trying to live faithfully for you? And I imagine when the Apostle Paul is uh, in plenty, when he's sitting at the table and there's plenty of food and, uh, and, and there's enough to go around and there's enough money uh, to uh, take these trips and to do these journeys and to plant all these churches that he's planning, I imagine in those times as well, the Apostle Paul probably struggled with the idea of, hey, I'm pretty good, <laughs> right? I, I've planted all these churches. I've got all this money, right? And I've had all this food. Well, in our good circumstances and our bad circumstances, in, in trial and difficulty uh, and in joy and in abundance, we are to trust in God because those situations have changed. They will change. So brothers and sisters, you had a bad week this week? Hold on, it'll change. <laughs> it'll pass. Trust in the Lord, it will pass. You had a good week this week? Hold on, <laughs> it'll change. It'll pass. Trust in the Lord. Difficulty and trial will come. Don't allow the satisfaction of your heart to be dictated by what's going on around you. Rest in an all-sufficient Father. Turn to Christ and, and put your trust in Him. See, I think the secret that Paul learned of a steady, mature, stable Christian faith is to put your satisfaction in an all-sufficient Father. Trust in Him. Because unlike your circumstances that are always changing, your all-sufficient Father will never change. He will never change. And that leads us to point three. The goal of Christian contentment. The goal of Christian contentment is rest in Christ. The goal of Christian contentment is rest in Christ. Look at verse 13. Paul says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now, this is one of the most used and abused verses probably in the entire Bible next to judge not lest you be judged. These words are so familiar to us and they are constantly put before us and many, many times they are so misused. Give you an example. When I was in the youth group, we went to a youth rally uh, growing up and uh, it was like a youth night for one of this revival services or something that we were attending and uh, that night the power team was there. You guys ever heard of the power team? You know these guys? Right? <laughs> they, uh, one guy in particular, I remember, he had a phone book and he was going to rip this phone book in half with his bare hands. Pretty incredible feat of strength. And I remember it was a big show. You know, he started ripping the phone book and he was struggling there was a guy with a microphone and he kept encouraging him, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. And then he turns to the crowd and he's saying, encourage him, come on, pump him up, do all these things. And then he turned to the crowd and he said, let's quote this verse together with him. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can rip that phone book in half because Jesus is going to give you the muscles to do it. And of course, as soon as we quoted that verse, phone book ripped right in half. Uh, and he held up the two pieces, and everybody praised the Lord because he gave this man the strength to rip the phone book in half. Brothers and sisters, that is not what this verse is saying. 
I guarantee you, if I pulled a phone book up in this podium and you started quoting this verse to me, I, one page at a time, I would rip the phone book <laughs> in half. I could not do that, right? That is not what this verse is promising you, right? <clears throat> this verse is promising you what this verse is saying. Paul is telling you that he can joyfully persevere in his faith because his faith has not come from his own wavering heart. It comes from an all-satisfying Christ. It comes from an assurance in the Gospel that gives him strength. See, the source of Paul's strength to be content in all things is the Gospel of Jesus. It's the reality that Jesus came and lived a perfect life that you and I could never live. Then He went and He died on a cross. And He took the punishment for the sin that we deserve. And He rose again from the dead and defeated sin and death. And if we put our faith and trust in Him then all things work together for our good. For the good of those who love Jesus and who are called according to His purpose. You see, the Lord doesn't promise you an easy life. The Christian life is not an easy life and the Lord never promises you that. What He does promise you is that He will give you the strength to persevere and endure what is good and what is bad in this life. That's what Philippians 4.13 is saying. And that is a much greater truth than ripping some phone book in half or whatever feat of strength that you might want to do. In hardship, in trial, in joy, in comfort, rely on Jesus. Rely on Jesus. If God did not withhold the very life of His own Son for you, how will He not also graciously lead you through whatever circumstance you find yourself in? Trust in Christ. That's the goal of Christian contentment is rest and trust in Jesus. He is the only source of rest and trust. He is the only source of that. You won't find contentment in anything else in this life but Him and Him alone. Just a couple of quick things uh, of application that I want to encourage us with this morning. How is it? How is it that we can turn our hearts from worry and and strife uh, and discontent? And how can we become content people? What are some practical steps that we can take? I want to mention just three brief things for you this morning. The first thing, be mindful of your grumbling. (laughs) Be mindful of your grumbling. Are you a grumpy old man or a grumpy old woman? A grumpy young man? A grumpy young woman? We all have... We all have grumblings. We all have things that make us grumble. When you start that, brothers and sisters, be mindful of your grumbling. You see, a grumbling heart is not a heart that is content in resting in Jesus. It's a heart that's looking only at your current circumstances and not to the cross of Christ. So be mindful of your grumblings. And and when you see a source of discontent pop up in your life and you feel yourself start to grumble and complain about those things, let that be a trigger for you. Wait a second. I need to repent of this. I need to cast this care on the Lord. And I, I need to be content in Him. And let that grumbling lead you to the cross rather than lead you to a discontent heart. So be mindful of your grumblings. The second thing that we can do, don't hold on too tightly to the comforts of this world. Don't hold on too tightly to the comforts of this world because they will pass. They will change. Some of you this morning are facing very difficult circumstances right now. They'll change. The Lord will bless you. They'll change. 
Some of you, most of us in this room, however, are probably quite comfortable. We have everything we need. We're not worried about what we're going to be eating for lunch here in a few minutes. We're not worried about any of that. And oftentimes, that comfort in the things of this world can lull us to sleep in our faith. And we can find ourselves grasping onto things, grasping onto earthly comforts, rather than clinging to the cross of Jesus. So don't hold too tightly to the things of this world because you never know when Jesus might take them right away from your hands. He'll do it. He'll do it to make you trust in Him. He'll do it to make you trust in Him. There's a song, there was a a band in the late 90s, early 2000s when I was coming up through high school that I loved to listen to. Some of you guys may have heard of them before. They were called Cademan's Call. And Cademan's Call had this great song called This World. And the first line of the chorus of that song said, this world has nothing for me, but this world has everything. And that's true, isn't it? As Christians, we look out at all the glitter and all the gold in the world, and we think, man, this world has everything. It has everything to offer. But this world we know as Christians has nothing. As we hold on to the things of this world, they're passing, they're fleeting. The only thing that is a sure foundation is, is faith in Christ. So don't hold too tightly to the comforts of this world because if you do, you're going to be discontent because those things will change. The last thing, set your hearts on things above, not on things below. Set your heart on things above and not on things below. There's a a great little book that I want to recommend to you. It's a Puritan paperback. It's called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Uh, And listen to what the author says uh, about this particular point, setting your minds on things above and not on earthly things and how that helps us to be content. He says, A man who lies at home has nothing to do uh, and has nothing to do finds fault with everything. The man who lies at home and has nothing to do finds fault with everything. So it is with the heart. When the heart of a man has nothing to do but be busy about creature comforts, Every little thing will trouble him. Right? If, if we set our minds on earthly things, if we hold on too tightly to the, what this world has to offer, we will never be content. We will never be content. And that should be so true. Some of the richest people in the world, if you ask them, I guarantee you, if you ask them right now, if they could have anything in the world, what it would be, I guarantee you they're not satisfied with the wealth that they have. I guarantee you they're not. Because... The things of this world, if, we, if we're too busy about these creature comforts, right, every little thing is going to trouble us. Because those things can pass, those can, things will fade away because this earth is fading away. So let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, this morning, set your minds on things above and not on things below. Because it's only in an all-sufficient Father, in a, in a Son who came and shed His blood for us and purchased you uh, with His blood, and a Holy Spirit that seals that salvation in your heart that you can find true and lasting and steady and mature Christian contentment. Let's go to Him and let's ask Him to help us do that this morning. Lord, I thank You for this Word and I thank You for these verses in the Scripture. And I pray for every single one of us here this morning, Lord, help us to to put our faith and our trust in You and not in the things of the world. Father, I pray that you would help us to be content with what you have given to us uh, and and not to be content with what this world has to offer us. Father, I pray that we would find rest and strength in the gospel of Christ, knowing 
that you have a plan for us. In our difficulties and in our triumphs, Father, you are working all things together for our good and for your glory. So help us to rest and trust in you. I pray these things in your name. Amen. We come now to a time of response, and I just want to invite you uh, to stand. Uh, We're going to sing together, uh, and let's just respond to God's Word, however it is that He's calling you to do that. Uh, If you need to pray, uh, you just stay there in your seat and pray and confess any discontent that you may have towards the Lord. Uh, If you are interested uh, in joining our church, we'd love to talk with you more about what that looks like, so we would invite you to come. Or if you want to know more about this gospel that we've been talking about this morning, uh, this man who lived and died for you, I want to invite you forward. Nothing would thrill us more than to be able to share more with you about that this morning. So let's just take a moment and respond to God's word together this morning. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who Pastor Nick shared with us today about the strength that comes from the gospel and how we can be content in all things, whether times of plenty or times of scarceness, times of great health, times of great sickness, or whatever our situation is now, whatever it may be in the coming week and month and years, Lord, we can rest in the gospel of Jesus. We thank you for that truth, and we pray in Christ's name, amen.